The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo with big data and real-time and predictive analytics from the consumer to the enterprise. Learn how to help your organization move in exciting new directions. Here's your host, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. I say it every time because it's always true, and if you know the code, welcome, welcome, means I have two guests on the panel today. What's the buzz? Well, I have a very interesting quote from a young man named Ben Kasnoka, C-A-S-N-O-C-H-A, born in 1988, named in 2006, let's see, Business Week named him one of America's best young entrepreneurs, Politics Online, interesting, named him one of the 25 most influential people in the world of internet and politics. Here's the quote. It got a little stressful in my first two years of high school trying to make conference calls with investors in between high school classes, but I definitely learned a lot of important time management lessons. So there you go from a very, very young entrepreneur. Ben's last name is C-A-S-N-O-C-H-A, but enough about him. So what are we talking about today? Young startups, whether their founders are young people or the startup is young in age. They have big dreams. They want to change the world, but they want to stay independent. They want to stay true to their vision, true to their dreams, but look at the wallet. It's cash-strapped usually, and they're crying out for a generous angel to come to their rescue, an angel with a wallet that is very, very full. In reality, what are they looking for? They want a VC who's going to offer them coaching, maybe a shoulder to cry on, good, solid business support, good, solid information, and most of all, financial backing. Why? Well, startups know they need to have a funding for development. They need to continue innovate. They need to continuously check the market. They need perhaps to have prototypes and go out and sit in front of hopefully big enterprises that will listen to them. Why? They need to stay relevant. They want to create jobs. Yes, they do. And they want to grow above all and pay everybody back. So, sounds real simple. Just put out the sign looking for VC, looking for Angel with Big Pocketbook. However, it's not that simple. How do you pick the right investor? How do you know when to adjust the funding, maybe a little less here, a little more there, or to totally go independent? We have a panel of two experts on this topic. Great information, I promise you. In just a moment, I will introduce you to our first speaker. It's Aaron Viner. His first name is spelled A-H-A-R-O-N, last name W-E-I-N-E-R. He's the head of corporate and business development at a company called Capriza, C-A-P-R-I-Z-A, and he'll tell you all about it in a minute. And rounding out our 
our panel is our regular speaker, Mark Nerona, who is at the he's an SAP Startup Engagement Lead at SAP Startup Focus Program. And, of course, a big shout-out to Christina Sosa, who is listening and who put this panel together. So let me read the quote that Aaron Viner has sent us. It's a quote from Wayne Gretzky. Very appropriate. Wayne Gretzky, by the way, is a Canadian former professional ice hockey player and former head coach who, coach who played 20 seasons in the National Hockey League for four teams between 1979 and 99, called the great one, called the greatest hockey player ever. Let me just leave it there. And uh, by the way, due to, despite his unimpressive stature, his unimpressive strength, and his unimpressive speed, boy, he sounded like a loser at that point, Wayne Gretzky's intelligence and reading of the game were unrivaled. He was adept at dodging checks from opposing players and consistently anticipated where the puck was going to be and got that right move at the right time. So here's the quote. A good hockey player plays where the puck is. A great hockey player plays where the puck is going to be. Aaron Viner, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? And thanks for the great quote. Thank you, Bonnie. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here today. We are delighted. I'm so impressed with the quote because it's right on the money and it reminds me probably of something that, that our young entrepreneur I quoted in the beginning, Ben Canosa, probably thinks of where do I need to be ahead of whatever curve is happening. So, Aaron, tell us a little bit about why you picked this quote. Are you a big hockey fan and, and how this has to do with looking for money for funding, first, second, third, however many rounds of a startup? Go ahead, Aaron. Beautiful. So uh, for me, uh, Wayne Gretzky, you know, aside from the quote, which we actually use internally uh, day in and day out, and I'll chat about that in a second, but uh, Wayne Gretzky for me is actually what a startup is and what a startup wants to be. So of course, everybody wants to be the great one, but uh, as mentioned, Wayne, you know, started with uh, not, not being the strongest one, not being the fastest one, and that's who we are as uh, startups, and we usually don't have enough uh, money, enough uh, time to do what we want to do. And he actually found a way, right? He actually changed the game. And actually, instead of fighting the big guys that were stronger and faster than him, he actually just used his ability to figure out where the puck is going to be, and then he didn't have to fight with them anymore. And that's what we do every day as a startup, right? We don't have enough. We're small. Uh, so, you know, we live by that. Aside from that, you know, he was a great uh, team player, right? He couldn't fight himself. Mm-hmm. We actually used five players uh, to uh, fight a team against them, which is, you know, a great thing. And another great thing about Wayne that he had a, a great stamina, right? Uh, he can actually run for all the quarters, and most of his goals actually were in the last quarter. And he had this very exceptional way of uh, renewing his energy, right, as they say. And that's what we do as startups. You know, there are a lot of ups and downs, but it's a long journey, and we don't need to forget that. Uh, and we have the ability to recover, move very quickly, and actually score goals all across the game. So uh, really love uh, the guy as a character, and of course he was the best. And then, you know, as a startups, we, we actually remind, and we literally use that quote, uh, both internally, when we're trying to remind ourselves that, you know, everybody knows what's happening today and probably what's going to happen tomorrow, but as a startup that is really trying to disrupt, you know, it's all about the future. And nobody really knows what the future, and that's where you're convincing yourself in hard times, guys, you know, this is the future, I'm going towards the right place. Uh, by the way, you need to have the ability to, to pivot and recognize that maybe the puck has shifted a bit, but you have that ability to do that. You're constantly convincing your investors, guys, you know, we know where the future is heading. That's why you're putting your trust uh, in us. And, you know, when things are not going that great, you still need to build that confidence with them. And same thing with your prospects and your customers later on. They actually invest in you, both your investors and your customers, because they actually trust that you actually have the ability to recognize the future and you're actually bringing them 
the technology, the solutions, and uh, securing their business accordingly. So here again, really aligned one-to-one with our daily life at a startup. And uh, thus, you know, for me, that's the favorite quote. Thank you very much, Aaron. Great explanation. And by the way, I have to congratulate you and Capriza. You were named one of only four, quote-unquote, cool vendors in enterprise mobility by Gartner. Back in April 2014, I found an article by Carolyn Strobel. Very proud of you, the world's leading information technology research and advisory firm. That's Gartner. And uh, the quote from Capriza is, we are incredibly excited to be included in this report and are looking forward to helping businesses take enterprise mobility to the next level. When we come around to our part of our show called What's in Your Cup Today and get to know you a little better, Aaron, I'm going to ask you to tell us exactly, give us the elevator pitch in just a couple minutes on what Capriza does. But congratulations on being a cool vendor. I'm sure that is a very, very big accolade for all of you. So thank you, Aaron. Looking forward to a lot more. And you have sent me some amazing information here on advice we're going to be giving to our listeners who may be startups already. They may be, Aaron, what I call somebody with a gleam in their eye who's thinking, I have a great idea. What can I do to start a business? Maybe you will inspire them with some solid information beyond their dreams. So thank you very much, Aaron. And now let's talk to Mark Narona. And Mark has sent me a very interesting quote from, I'm looking for your quote here, Mark. Mark has sent me a quote from Ron Conway. Very interesting. Uh, he is legendary. He's a legendary early stage investor who has backed many of the greatest internet startups in including Google and Facebook. The quote is, if Silicon Valley has an angel, it's Ron Conway. Uh, let's see. He, in his apparent concern for everything and everyone but himself, and in that reassuring thick shock of silver hair, there's certainly something angelic about Conway. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He has multi-million dollar eyes. And, and Mark, I'm going to read the quote now, but I thought it was fascinating that what the description is of this Ron Conway is so much about what Aaron just told us, the quote from Wayne Gretzky about knowing where the puck is going to be. So here's the quote, and you can talk to it, Mark. The quote is, any time is a good time to start a company. Ron Conway. Mark Narona, how have you been? I've been good, Bonnie. Thank you for having me on the show again. Delighted um, to have you. Talk to me about the quote. Absolutely. Um Sean, Ron Conway doesn't need an introduction. He's um, a legend in his own right. And, you know, there's all sorts of um, commentary about Ron, his working style, the fact that he entered this industry before many of us, um, you know, knew our ropes around it. And uh, many ways he's, you know, acknowledged with creating um, a portion of this industry. And uh, he's known to be a tough guy. He's known to be very direct. He's got positions that he takes on all sorts of things. But the fact remains that he is one of the most prolific investors, um, especially the early stage investors, and you know has given shape to this entire angel investing portion of the industry. Now, I picked this particular quote from him, and there are others as well, but I picked this particular one because if you look at 2016, which is pretty much ramping down now, mm-hmm. um, the venture industry has slowed down this year. There's a lot of, there's been a lot of uncertainty this year uh, with Brexit in Europe, with the elections in the United States, the uh, Fed and the interest rate situation. Um, 
And there's been a slowdown. It's all over. We can see it. There's data around it. Um, and so when you're an entrepreneur who is either starting out on the journey at this point in time or is looking to raise funding at this point in time, you know, there's, there's a lot that's going through your head. Um, and I think this is a very simple, straightforward sort of a message from, you know, one of the most prolific investors saying, that, hey, there's no better time than now. Um, and I thought it's important to keep that in mind despite everything that's surrounding you in the environment. Thank you, Mark. Very interesting. And I wanted Aaron to hear this. We had Aaron call back. We had a little little bit of bumpy on his line, and he called back. And Aaron, I want you to hear this. Uh, I, I read up about Ron Conway, and apparently he talks about something called pattern recognition as his most potent weapon in deciding whether or not to invest in companies and people. Interesting. The pattern recognition has come from watching the successes and failures of entrepreneurs like Mark Zuckerberg, Fanning, and Parker. And he says, um, Conway confessed to this writer, I'm looking at an article in TechCrunch from 2010, so it's six years old. Conway confessed to this writer, get ready for this, guys. He can make up his mind about the value of entrepreneurs in under five minutes. Mark Narona, I want you to comment on that uh, under five minutes. Do you think in reality most people can, going back to Aaron's quote from Gretzky, know where the puck is going to be? Well, he has to work in a lot less than five minutes. But do you think most VCs, venture capitalists, and angels can figure that out in five minutes? Do they all have this pattern recognition or is it a much longer slogging through process? Mark? Well, I don't think all of them can. That, I mean, straight off the bat, um, it's almost logical to believe that. But I believe that the good investors um, do have their own algorithms um, and maybe their own processes to get to identify those patterns. People like uh, Ron Conway, who was probably have a very evolved process, it might not look that way, um, but you can't make over 600-odd investments and not in the process have a very evolved process of making them. Um, so I'm not surprised by the comment of I can make out uh, under five minutes. And I suppose a lot of it has to do with the individual, to Aaron's point earlier. Um, investors trust people. Yes, they look very closely at the business plan, but at the core of it all, you know, they're trusting you. And we've all seen, you know, all sorts of uh, research around you know, the first few minutes of an interaction with a person is where trust is born. So I'm not surprised by that. Um, but I suppose when you're around Conway and you've done that many investments, then in those five minutes, you're not just looking at the person, but you're also looking at what that person is sharing with you in the form of the business plan, the strategy, how they intend to execute. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I buy into it for him, but not for everybody else. It's a very, very big industry with all sorts of players and individuals in it including uh, some posers. Um, so I think everybody's got their own process, but the good guys uh, are able to move through things quickly. Thank you very much, Mark. I'd love to get Aaron Viner's take on what do you think? Do you agree in your experience as a startup, Aaron? Do you think that VCs come in with that, uh, let's call it laser focus that Ron Conway has, that honed, that very finely and astutely developed pattern recognition? Or how long does it really take for a VC to say, yeah, Aaron Viner, we'll give you some money. We've thought about it for what, six months, two years, 20 minutes? How long does it typically take, Aaron? 
Yeah, well, uh, I always uh, use analogies uh, from uh, the dating life of uh, single people. And, uh, you know, it does take uh, 20 seconds to decide if the woman sitting across from you, in my case, you know, as a man, uh, is the woman that you actually want to continue the process with. So I think uh, to his point, I, I totally agree. And by the way, not everybody has that talent, right? And that's why you mm-hmm. see that our investors that are better than others. And yes, process can, you know, complement that 80%. But I think that ability to, in the first five minutes in his case, or, you know, 20 seconds when you're dating to figure out do we actually want uh, to go on with that uh, company or that person, uh, I totally agree with him. And here again, some of them are very gifted, and that's what makes them unique, that ability to really identify. Now, whether it's pattern recognition, that's an interesting one because then the question becomes, you know, what are the patterns? And if it was just simple as that, everybody could do that. But now the question becomes, what are they looking for? What are those patterns that they know how to identify success with? And that's, I think, where... You know, some of it is explainable, you know, so the average person can kind of figure it out, but these unique investors do have something that the rest don't have, and that's why they are who they are. There you go. That's why they are who they are, and that's why they know where to skate. So, Aaron, now that I have you back on the line, it's time for us to ask a couple of personal questions. We typically say, where are you calling from, and what's in your cup today? What fuels you? What powers you? What gives you that energy to go forward with Capriza? But first, I'm going to ask you for what I call your elevator pitch. What does Capriza do? And please also mention where you worked before you got involved with Capriza. Just briefly, what if we, we looked up Capriza, what are we going to find out about you? Beautiful. So uh, first of all, you know, I'm Aaron, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, I run a business development and corporate development for Capriza. I've been with Capriza for almost uh, three years now. Uh, prior to joining Capriza, I spent uh, almost a decade at SAP. Uh, so part of the family with Mark, uh, with yourself, and all the 80,000 other uh, employees and hundreds of thousands of customers. And uh, basically, I actually met Capriza when I was working at SAP. And actually, as part of business development at SAP, I uh, partnered with Capriza, recognized, uh, you know, what they're bringing to the market and how a small uh, company um, can actually disrupt and actually do things that we at SAP were trying to do for decades and put uh, four billions of dollars on it just by, you know, thinking out of the box, being that Wayne Gretzky, uh, this small company can come and actually do, you know, miracles that we're trying to do and drive a value into our customer base. So, uh been on both sides of the fence and, you know, enjoy it. For me, as I said, it, it's one big family. You know, SAP is my family, uh, Capriza. We're all one big ecosystem trying to do good in the world for our customers. Uh, so that's a bit about me. Um, in my, uh, my cup today, and actually, uh, you know, I have a great iced tea that I just brewed last night in a huge uh, blue mug. And, uh, you know, I am a sweet tooth, but I never drank coffee and I won't start today. So I just need that uh, sweetness in the morning to actually wake me up. But that's just drinks, you know, what really wakes me up and what makes me energized is actually uh, being here uh, today with you and actually just driving and constantly uh, moving and doing better uh, and bringing more and more of our innovation into the market. And it's really exciting, right, being on that side that, you know, prospects, customers, analysts, investors, uh, people are just excited to hear all about you because you are doing something unique. That really energizes me day in and day out and, you know, just enables me to do what I do. Uh, and for me, you know, it Really, uh, work is fun, and I do feel uh, lucky being uh, on that side. I can say I enjoy every minute and just uh, want to do more of it. I love that. Thank you. And it's very kind of you to say you're excited to be here with us because we're so glad you're here with us as well, Aaron Viner. And now let's find out where. Well, where are you? Did you say uh, where are you located today, Aaron? And then we'll go to Mark. Where Where are you calling from? I'm in uh, sunny uh, Palo Alto, uh, early morning here, but, you know, December and we still have a great sun, so uh, very important uh, for me, you know, being an Israeli uh, born and raised person, we need the sun, we need the light, you know, that gives us a lot of uh, optimism and, again, it's part of who we are. 
That, I agree, and shalom. So, and let's go to Mark. Mark, where are you calling from? And, you know, every time you come on the show, Mark, we don't expect you to have a unique and different drink, but I can't remember what you had the last time you were on a few weeks ago. So if you want to repeat your drink, it's okay with me. Mark Narona, what powers <laughs> you in the morning? What, what gets you going? I'm, I'm calling from Palo Alto, uh, Bonnie. That's where the SAP labs are um, in Palo Alto. And, um, no, every time I do call into the show, I actually have exactly the same drink, which is a cup of <laughs> tea, which, uh, considering I'm from India, I, I call chai. Um, and, um, tea, surprisingly, is a rather popular beverage all over the planet, uh, in all forms, um, you know, from the version, the English drink. Um, to the versions that the Chinese drink, to the versions that are drunk in India, um, Sri Lanka, um, I don't know, Latin America. I mean, there is a form of tea pretty much that people all over the planet drink, not to mention the fact that the process of drinking tea generally involves some form of interaction with somebody. Um, mm-hmm. So it's also a very social sort of a drink. And in my case, it's just something that's been brought up on them. That's what I'm drinking. Thank you very much. I I recently bought a box, I haven't tried it yet, of something called Tea for Life that has, um, Aaron, I think this spice may be familiar to you and and maybe to Mark as well, turmeric. It has turmeric in it and all kinds of interesting scents and smells. And it's supposed to be uh, a detoxifier, but a very interesting tea. When you just open the bag, uh, the box of the tea bags, it just fills the whole house with this wonderful spicy scent. But I'm not drinking that. Mark knows they don't let me anywhere near even a trace of of caffeine on radio show days. All they let me drink, Aaron, is a glass of water. So I've got my cool, clear water and a cool, clear mug here with a yellow straw because the sun hasn't decided whether it's going to come back out here in New York. It's a little bit gray. I think we're expecting a little bit of snow. Neither one of you would know what that is, of course. Uh, we're expecting a little rain and maybe a touch of snow north of the city tonight. So what can I tell you? So I'm drinking what I usually drink, and there's no surprise there. And I'm very pleased to be speaking with both of you. We have a big topic here. Lots to cover. Our topic, in case you haven't guessed, is raising around. I didn't say raising a glass. I said raising around money, VCs and startups, angels, whatever you want to call them, the people with the money to help a startup grow, develop, grow, thrive, create jobs, do something good for the world. It's a big topic. So we're talking again startup mindset. That's been our capture. That's been the caption on our series this year. And I'm pleased to announce that Christina Sosa and Manju Banzal have decided to renew this series. So we'll be having another 10 episodes spread out over 2017 on all about startup focus. So we're going to be meeting a lot more people just as interesting as we're talking today to Aaron Viner at Capriza and Mark Narona. I know Mark will be back many times. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial and take out your pencils or your tablets or whatever because we're really going to pour the information on really, really thick when we come back. We're going to talk about picking the right investor. It's not all about the money. And it's a long-term marriage. Well, Aaron talked a little bit about dating. Yeah, you got to pick the right date before you get married. We're going to talk about global trends and planning your funding. And what about when plan A doesn't go so well? Well, what do you do for plan B? Is it your problem? I think so. And how healthy is your company for the investors you want to attract? And a lot more great information. So we'll be right back. Michael out.
In today's globalized world, the competition for customers and marketplace has never been fiercer. Emerging technologies, especially those like big data, can help level the playing field and enable everyone from established enterprises to nimble startups to radically change the status quo. The bottom line, if you embrace technology, you can innovate your way to success. Big data is changing the way we live our lives and do business. Learn how with Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. With new companies like yours competing aggressively for top customers, your strategies and tools must level the playing field and position you well against your larger adversaries. Today, you are faced with global competition for both customers and talent that will drive your business. The bottom line, you need to define what's going to set you apart, and you need to embrace innovation in every facet of your company and your brand. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Startup Focus with Game Changers. Indeed, here we are. We're talking today about show me the money. If you are a startup, you need bucks, you need funding, you need an angel, a VC, a venture capitalist, somebody who's going to help you get from point A to point B, and you need to get there with the money to make it all happen. Special guests today are Aaron Viner at Capriza and Mark Narona at SAP Startup Focus Program. And before we start our roundtable, we have to find out what Capriza really does. So time for that elevator pitch, Aaron Viner. Talk to me. Capriza, C-A-P-R-I-Z-A, what do you do for the world? Hey, thank you, Bonnie. Uh, we actually help, uh, we actually want to actually help our organization transform the way uh, people work at work. And, you know, as all of us as consumers, we uh, basically run our entire life uh, out of our phone these days. Uh, we can do everything, right, from our pizzas to our banks, et cetera, et cetera. But when we come to work, we're actually back uh, Stone Age, right? We actually need to find a computer. We need to log into all these systems, all this complexity, and we're just not there. So, Caprina, we want to actually help organizations modernize their business processes and applications. And when it comes to modernization, there are actually two elements that we run around. One has to do with simplification. How do you take all this complexity that has been built for decades now and make it simple to use again so anybody can start interacting with these systems without being trained for months and months like any other professional user? And the second thing has to do with uh, mobility. How do we leverage all these devices that we all carry in our pocket, in our hands, and enable us to actually work wherever we are in a way that we're used to uh, through our devices? And uh, the magic about Capriza is that we enable our customers to go through these transformations uh, in a fraction of the cost and a fraction of the time compared to any other traditional uh, technology out there in the market. And being uh, out there selling in the market for uh, two years now and having over 100 of the largest enterprises in the world you know, testimonial uh, for, you know, the destruction and the adoption that trust customers gives us. And, you know, we have millions of users using Capriza today to actually work better uh, when they're actually at work. Uh, but aside from that, Bonnie, you know, as we have this uh, big topic today, uh, we're not just a, a great and brilliant technology company. We're a very big family, you know, over 100 employees today growing mm. rapidly. But along with our investors, uh, with our partners, with our customers, we're all one big family that is actually very passionate to collaborate 
and to really drive this uh, change and transformation to the market because we really believe, uh, you know, this is the, the new wave and we really envision how people will work uh, at work uh, moving forward and we really uh, believe we can transform that all together. Uh, so that's uh, our elevator pitch and as I said, you know, that really makes me uh, happy and feel lucky uh, to be part of that family day in and day out and really drive Thank this you, transformation Aaron. and innovation out there. Well, I can tell the elevator is only going up now. Let's talk about our first topic. I'm looking at your notes you sent me before the show. We're going to talk about how to pick the right investor. It's not all about the money. You kept mentioning the word family. You've said it several times already in the opening part of the show and just now. And you say pick the right investor for you and your company. It is a long-term marriage. Of course, that's the optimistic long-term view. So why don't you give us some pointers from your experience at Capriza. How do you pick the right investor how do you make it into a long-term marriage? Well, everybody's going to fight a little bit, even in a good marriage, but they come out together holding hands, and it's not all about the money. Talk to us, Aaron, please. Beautiful. So first of all, even when we talk about money, you know, uh, it, it's not a short thing, right? Uh, you need to make sure that there's not only money for today for what you're looking for, but, you know, since it's a long journey, you need to make sure that your investor or investors actually have enough money to support you all across the journey. That's something that is very important, both for you to understand where you're heading and how much money you need, and make sure that your active investors have what it needs and the deep pockets to support you all across the way. But aside from money, because, you know, that's the obvious part, you know, for us investors is, you know, the people that you're going to work with. You know, who in the investment firm is the partner that's going to sit with you? And we really view our investors as an extended part of our management. Uh, they actually, each one brings a skill. They complement your skills. Some of them are great in operations. Some of them are great in strategy. And you actually want to, uh, to view them and help them collaborate with you like uh, they're part of their team, and that's why we use uh, the word and term uh, family all the time. Uh, experience in your domain is very important. As we said, nobody actually knows the future, but you want the people that can actually dream with you, understand with you, and actually look backwards and try to uh, figure out the future together with you. So that's uh, very important. Uh, beyond that, you know, reputation, you know, right? it's critical uh, for many reasons. The first one, actually, dreams are a good They actually, a lot of them buy into your dream. But a lot of them actually buy in, or you know what, if that guy invested in you, you know, he probably knows great as well, so I would love to be in your family as well. Uh, with your process and your customers, right? they actually do the same thing. They're trying to uh, understand what the risk factor is. It's not and a great reputation uh, coming from an investor, you know, helps as well. And it helps you compete, right? Because at the end of the day, there are competitors and other companies, and, you know, that's how you, people can try to figure out who is the winning one. That's another way to look into it. Um, when it looks into uh, picking the right one in the long term, you know, it has to do a lot with alignment and personality. So people can really think along with you, uh, knowing that there's going to be ups and downs in the company. How are we going to handle crisis? Do they really support you? What's their role? Uh, are you aligned with the vision? Do you actually agree on what you're currently looking and uh, believing and what is your operating order right now? Um, and by the way, don't forget, um, usually, you know, as the company matures, it's more than one investor. And then it becomes a puzzle because it's not mm-hmm. only uh, how do you pick the best alignment between you and your investor, it's actually how do you find the right alignment and the balance between the different investors. Each one can start pulling to a different direction. You need to find the balance between these investors. Otherwise, they can just rip uh, your company altogether. Uh, so even a lot of uh, money, of course, is critical. If you don't have money, nothing really matters. But uh, it's worth spending time on all these uh, other elements and really looking through and trying to identify these other attributes in an investor because I said, you know, it's, there's actually no way out of it, right? It's uh, no simple mm-hmm. way out of it. So 
you better uh, do your homework. And, and at the end of the day, as you're growing your investor uh, groups, actually use all your investors to in the process because it's a family that everybody needs to live together with everybody. Thank you very much, Aaron. Aaron, your line is coming in and out. We're having a little bit of trouble hearing you, so I'm going to ask you to call right back in quickly while I move over to Mark Narona and ask Mark to comment about the family angle. It's not all about the money sharing dreams and visions and going from one investor to two to three to more. So while Aaron is busy calling back, Mark, what do you think about what Aaron shared, and do you agree or disagree? I agree in part. I do believe that... um, in the earlier stages of fundraising, um, there's definitely a, a different role that is played by uh, you know the earliest of investors, and that's where it's possible that you can equate their um, behaviors or even your expectations as an entrepreneur of them to be a little bit more uh, family-like. Um, but let's not forget, at the end of the day, this is the venture space and this is funding and there is an expectation Mm -hmm. that this is a company we're talking about Um, and therefore that's where my disagreement comes from is that um, whilst there's a lot of mentorship that happens in families there's a lot of bad behavior that we tolerate in families as well Uh, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of goofiness that we tolerate in families we give families a lot within families a lot more time for people to learn through experience. And unfortunately, that doesn't translate over onto, you know, the venture capital side of the equation. And irrespective of whether it's angel funding or uh, institutional funding or, you know, funding coming from corporates, the fact remains that um, that is not the case. That's not the way these uh, investments are valued. That's not the way they are managed. And that's not the way the expectations around them are set either. So I wouldn't, quite agree with the family comment, but I would strongly agree with the, you know, the other piece that Aaron said, which is that, you know, what's the complementary value that this particular investor or this, you know, path of investment that we've chosen as a, as a startup, what value does that bring to the startup? Um, and different investors have different styles, they have different value they can contribute, they have uh, you know, different inherent strengths be it strategy, operations, um, you know, customers, all of these sort of things, each of which is of value to a startup. So I do agree with that, that that's, that is critically important. And evaluating those, taking the time to make conscious decisions around those um, is particularly important for an entrepreneur and a startup team. Interesting. Aaron, I know you're back with us. Aaron, we have a little bit of a challenge on the members of this family, extended family, nuclear family, however you want to describe them uh, beyond just, uh, hey. So any comments you want to make back to Mark Narona before we move on, Aaron? I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, we we kind of agree and we actually uh, put it in different terms, you know, and probably from the startup side, from the corporate side. You know, an investor is not a replacement for a great uh, management team. So here again, you know, you don't expect them to do the work for you, but uh, picking the right investors is an extension uh, to your team. And if you know how to pick the right ones and you know how to collaborate with them, uh, they bring uh, great value. And the second one that you mentioned, you know, I I totally agree, right? And we see it with our investors. Uh, Aside from the money, and, you know, I can mention one of our investors, you know, one of our top investors, uh, Andreessen Horowitz, uh, probably a big chunk of our business at the early years came through their briefing center because, you know, every CIO and CEO in the world 
is going to their mecca to see what's happening in Silicon Valley, that's a huge added value that creates a competitive advantage uh, that no one else has, right? So, uh, you know, that's a, it's an important point. And I said it's not just the money. Everybody can give you money or if you want to give you money. Uh, but these uh, non-hard uh, uh, money stuff are actually the things that can make or break your company uh, moving forward. Thank you very much. I'm going to move to some comments here from Mark. Uh, let's talk about which, let's do a reality check here. Mark's going to talk about which industries are actually attracting investment today. So getting that funding may be where you position yourself, Mark. You talk about fintech. Is it hot or not? Is it losing steam? Is it still going strong? And sci-fi. You say it's not all fiction, talking about AI, VR, cybersecurity, and drones, everybody's favorite pet toy for this Christmas and Hanukkah. Mark, talk to us about where the money is and what industries are going to attract it the most easily. So, I mean, we've seen, we're seeing at least this year, um, and for a major portion of the year, actually, things like that we were a little bit in despair off in 2014 and 2015, which was sectors like healthcare, for example. And we're talking mm-hmm. about connected health here. Um, they're actually getting funding um, on a pretty regular basis. Um, financial sector has, has been hot for a while now, but um, and technology continues, you know, uh, to be up the right up there. But we're seeing, you know, the industrial sector attracting a lot of, Funding, which means that um, some of the hype we've seen around IoT over the last couple of years it seems to be translating. Um, we're seeing activity in the material segment. Um, so, I mean, when you look at where the large funding buckets are, there's, I suppose there's no surprises there, but I, I suppose that you could say that it, thank God that, you know, the, the healthcare sector is actually finally... Um, looking like there's some consistent funding activity going on out there. On the other hand, at the other end of the spectrum, which is all the emerging things that I've kind of called as sci-fi and said, well, this is not really sci-fi anymore. And the fact remains that if you start looking at the kind of funding um, going into, for example, the cybersecurity sector, the kind of expectations we have of it, and there's a reason for that. I mean, the way we are living our lives, the way we are consuming and building technology is changing, and security is just a dramatic, dramatic um, area of importance, and that's why it is definitely sucking up huge amounts of funding. It's competitive, um, but that's a great space to be in. On the other hand, you've got emerging uh, areas, I don't even know if I want to call them technologies, but just emerging areas, things like drones. I mean, the only place mm-hmm. we ever saw drones was in the movies, but that's not true anymore. I and mean, even as recently as 2014, maybe, we weren't quite sure what would happen. There was all sorts of commentary out there about the issues with regards to using drones in real life. Well, they seem to be, they seem to be going away at very high speed. And we are actually you can say with relative confidence that in a short while, drones are going to be part of our everyday life. Uh, It's coming, and it's coming really quickly. It's moving away from the do-it-yourself hobbyist enthusiast into real enterprise applications. It's already there in many cases. So some of these new sectors, um, augmented reality, virtual reality, the speed at which we are being able to deliver the promise of these technologies 
we're doing a lot better at it. And the venture industry is definitely not shy. They are definitely looking for these investments to make. And they are being quite experimental. I mean, um, they're not kind of only restricting their investments to the consumer sector, only to the enterprise sector. They are being quite experimental with the, the investments, which is good to see that despite a slow year, um, or a depressed year, maybe 2016, there is still enough of funding flowing into these sectors. So I would say, I mean, going back to my original quote that, you know, anytime is a great time to start a company. I mean, there is no shortage of funding per se today, and there never has been. Maybe there's the investments are being looked at a lot more carefully. There's a lot more due diligence. Um, but hey, if you're an entrepreneur with a good idea and a good team, and you've taken the time to build or do your due diligence around your market opportunity and your strategy, um, people are ready to listen. Very interesting. I'm going to thank you very much, Mark. Uh, Aaron Viner, I'm going to circle back to you around the table here. Do you agree or disagree? Any comments you want to make on industries where you believe that startups are ripe for attracting investors because of the excitement of their industry and the newness? Yeah, uh, and I want to actually add an angle to it and actually look at it from both sides because actually the mm-hmm. venture capitalists are actually funding both sides of the equation. So we see these days entire industries being disrupted. Right? So we see you know, Amazon, the biggest retailer, Airbnb being the biggest uh, hotel chain, and Uber being the biggest transportation, and they're all technology companies. Uh, so when you look at it from a venture side of it, yes, they all want to invest in companies that can disrupt the entire industry, but don't forget that actually all the customers that are in that industry are not just going to go away. And most of these uh, customers are very traditional. If you think about you know, banking industries or even hotel industries, the retailers, you know, the brick and mortars, and they need somebody that can actually help them compete. Okay, and these are guys that think about them like a hundred-year-old person that wants to run as fast as that young startup that just came and disrupted his industry. So somebody needs to arm that side as well. So it's actually very interesting to see because uh, when you're trying to figure out where do I want to play, you can actually be on both sides of selling arms to both sides. You can either be the disruptor, or you can actually help the ones with the money that have been disrupted to try and fight. So. That's an interesting angle that I think uh, could add value because you don't always need to be the disruptor yourself, but you need to be able to understand what's happening in an industry and being able to actually see what side you want to play because there's a lot of money on both sides. Very interesting. You need to know where that puck is going to go next, going back to the Gretzky quote. Uh, Aaron, I'm going to pick one of your topics next. I want to be able to get one from each of you before we have to go to our predictions round at the end. You say, let's see, what do you want to talk about? Either um, read the global trends, adjust your funding plans accordingly, or corporate investors, are they healthy for your company? Which one would you like to talk about, Aaron Viner? Probably let's uh, talk about uh, the global trends and the oxygen. We can actually tie them together. Go ahead. Right, and actually, this year was a great uh, example of the year, right? Not everything went uh, great on the financial uh, markets. And uh, your investors, at the end of the day, are very uh, tight, and they're actually very uh, related to what's happening in the global markets. And if the global markets are going down, then their LPs, you know, say, don't invest right now. Um, so you may have your plan, and your plan uh, says, you know, I don't need money right now. I'm actually executing on my plan. Uh, but then you actually may find yourself in a situation where when you need the money, it doesn't really exist. And that actually brings me to the two uh, other topics. So first of all, constantly have your finger and, you know, on the pulse of the global markets. 
sometimes it's not even in your own industry, but, you know, it's, it's all one connected world that we live into. So somebody sneezes in China, and that actually may have an effect on your own company. So uh, do uh, find time to look at the global markets uh, and talk to your investors about it all the time, uh, and don't just put your head down on uh, your own execution. That's uh, one very important thing. And the second thing has to do with always have a plan B, right? And we, we as uh, startup companies, we always uh, put more and more money to actually spur more and more growth. Uh, but you need to actually have the ability to figure out, can I trade lower growth and actually burn less cash or even get to the point that I actually don't need to use cash? And that is a good point to have. First of all, if there's no cash available in the market, you don't want to just die out there. And second of all, it's a great point for a company to find a moment that actually can grow without being connected anymore to that cash flow coming from outside. So that's a very important thing that we learned. And, you know, this year was a great testimonial for it because we saw a lot of our competitors just dying out there, uh, you know, in absence of uh, a small recession and, you know, that took away all the cash out of the market. So uh, I think it's an important exercise to go through. And it really forces you to really understand, of course, from the financial side to it, but do you really have a good grasp and can you really play with all these different levers to actually change course if bigger things in the market are actually preventing you for, from executing your plan A? Thank you very much. And I want to go to something here, some real basics from Mark Narona. Mark says, what VCs look for when evaluating startups? You already know this. Let me just read your six points here, Mark, and then have you just elaborate what, what they don't know, what our listeners need to know on top of this. Number one, the problem. What tough problem, market need, or customer pain point are you addressing? Number two, the solution. What is your unique solution to the problem? How does it work? How is it 10 times better than other solutions out there? Number three, the market. Who will your customers be? How big is the opportunity? Number four, competition. What current and future solutions, technologies, or companies may be competing side-by-side side with you in the global market? Number five, the team. Who's your management team? What is their background? Where do they come from? How are they uniquely qualified to run, steer, and guide your venture and deliver the solution to the market? And number six, the business plan. What is your plan? You need multi-year income statement, capitalization plan. You need assumptions based on the plan, how much money you need to raise. What, What extra do we need to tell our listeners, Mark, that they need to know in order to attract the right VC? Well... I would borrow from what Aaron just said, which is a certain amount of situational awareness, um, which raises the confidence levels and the trust of the group that you are asking for funding. What I mean by that is, to to Aaron's point, which is that at the end of the day, you are um, part of a global ecosystem. And that ecosystem has certain characteristics. So based upon where you are physically, whether you are in the United States, where we are hoping that a period of uncertainty um, will subside, uh, that we will see more IPOs in 2017, um, the Fed will signal a rate hike. We're hoping all these things. Um, Some of it might not come to pass. And therefore, you know, being, I, I would call that situational awareness. Um, on the one hand, in Asia, for example, we're seeing, it, you know, a slowdown. On the other hand, you know, there's been quite a 
quite a bit of IPO activity out there. Um, Europe um, is allegedly feeling a little better because the immediate uncertainty surrounding Brexit um, has changed. But um, the UK is, you know, there's, there's still a long way to go there. And there seems to be um, funding flowing into the UK um, for a variety of reasons. So I think just being aware of what that environment is and translating that into that conversation, into that plan that you're presenting when you're getting out there to fundraise, um, that's important. And I think that is one of the key ingredients that when you look at these six elements, that's a, that's table sticks. That's expected. If you don't have it, you're most probably going to be turned away or sent back or somebody's really nice, they're going to explain to you why they turned you away. Okay? Mm. Um, but going over and above that and saying, hey, I fully understand where I am at this point in time and this is why I am looking to fundraise now. Um, this is why I'm looking to fundraise maybe, maybe a little more than I need. Um, you know, having these sort of elements be baked into your conversation, your positioning, your search for the right kind of VC, um, I think that is what is going to differentiate, you know, the entrepreneurs of the startups that actually end up getting funding from the right sources versus the ones who end up getting funding, but on terms that they didn't frankly expect or mm-hmm. they didn't know how to deal with the implications of, um, I think that's, that's what's going to make the difference. Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, we have just about two minutes before we start our crystal ball predictions round, so I'm going to circle back to Aaron Viner at Capriza. Aaron, anything else you'd like to add in terms of advice? What about a plan B? What about disconnecting? What about corporate investors? Let's talk about cor- corporate investors briefly. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they too heavy duty for a young startup? What do you advise? So it's, uh, there's no uh, one answer here. It really depends uh, on the market that you play in, right? In some markets, there's only one big player, so actually getting money from him is a great endorsement. Uh, but most markets are more complex, and there's a few big players in there. And then you just need to understand what is actually signal to the market, the fact that you're actually getting money from one of them, because you rarely actually get money from a couple of them altogether. So here again, you know, is the competitor of that uh, guy... Uh, going uh, to buy you because he wants to snatch you out of uh, his competitor. Uh, Are the customers going to buy you because, you know what, if it's the same big corporate that I'm trying to run away from, uh, why would I actually take money or take your solutions uh, from you? Uh, So, hidden, there's a lot of implications of taking that money. And, of course, we all want to be in a situation that we can decide if we want or not want to take the money, but that's not always the case. So if you have to take money uh, because there's no other options, then, you know, it, it is what it is. But given that you have the opportunity or you have the ability to say no to corporate money, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy decision, right? It has a lot of implications. And besides what it's signaling to the market is, what are the expectations that the corporate has by pouring money into you? Do they actually want you now to better align uh, with their products and their strategy? In mm-hmm. many cases, you're actually kind of overlapping and competing against the big corporate because otherwise it wouldn't be interested in what you're doing. So how much of your freedom are you losing to that big corporate by just taking his money? So there are a lot of elements to think about, but I would always say um, if you have the option, don't just say yes because it's a very hard topic and can have a big influence. And I've seen in my life a lot of uh, startup companies that got that corporate money and very quickly took them away from the quickness and the vision that they had. 
towards them. They call them basically they lost their identity. Um, so a lot of topics to think about, and again, no yes, no answer they can just provide to the crowd. Thank you very much. It's time for our crystal ball, but I have a quick personal question for each of you before we turn to Aaron Viner with his prediction. Aaron, I'm going to give you a full ooh, full 60 seconds for yours and a full 60 seconds for Mark. Aaron, do you watch Shark Tank? And do you recommend that new companies or dreamers and gleamers and visionaries watch and see what the big money people are looking for in a startup? Quick question, yes or no? Uh, yes and no, but I know it's tricky, so yes, probably. <laughs> okay, Mark, do you watch Shark Tank? Uh, not anymore. I used to. Okay, we'll leave that with personal TV taste. We'll leave that to another show. We'll have to get that from you when you come back in 2017. Aaron Viner at Caprice, I'm going to give you 60 seconds. Please look into that crystal ball. I know the vision is crystal clear and sharp from the vantage point of your deep experience and Caprice's handle on what the market is looking for right now. So, Aaron, talk to me. 60 seconds. Predictions, go. Beautiful. So, so again, in uh, the next three years, I want to see, you know, Caprizo, of course, continue its uh, phenomenal growth and trajectory. And, you know, we had phenomenal years. We just want to continue that. And, again, there's a lot to be done. So don't get me wrong. Uh, we're not just sitting there and counting money, but we're actually working very hard. And uh, hopefully everything will continue working that direction. Uh, from a VC perspective, you know, we see that the change in, uh, in pace is actually just increasing, right? Things are happening much faster. And a lot of it has to do with technology, right? All the cloud technology, so startups can run much faster. But by the way, the expectations are coming much faster. So that means bringing a new breed of startup companies, a new breed of investors. And, you know, I think it will be just more and more accelerated as we move forward. And, you know, that's something that is, you know, very different. And people need to be responsive and react to that uh, speed of pace of change, both in the investment community and actually uh, in the technology community itself. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And Mark Narona, I saved, ooh, I have a whole 90 seconds for you because Aaron was so brief and to the point. So, Mark, go ahead. Knock yourself out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay, predictions. Well, I, so this is my personal favorite. That we'll see a lot more sci-fi in our lives um, over the span of the next three to five years. That's one. Two. I predict that we'll struggle through it um, with a tremendous amount of media hype over even the smallest achievements that we do, which is not a bad thing. Uh, uh, I suspect that sometime we will stop calling it artificial intelligence and just start calling it intelligence, which would be mm-hmm. nice. Um, I believe that there's going to be quite a bit of funding options where the funding is originating from sources that, and I'm speaking with reference to the U.S., um, sources that are not resident in the U.S. There is going to be international funding, quite a bit of it flowing in, or available, let's put it that way. Um, That funding comes with implications, and I do hope that people who avail of those funding options are very clear about... um, Let's see. I think for three three predictions for 90 seconds, I suppose that should be good enough, right? 
That's fine. And by the way, you better sit there and polish up your predictions because Mark is going to be our closing speaker tomorrow. It is the 7th of December, 2016. Get ready, everyone. 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel. I will be hosting a speed round. It's called Predictions on Steroids. We have 412, 15 speakers in 57 minutes. Each is going to share, oh, two or three minutes of their predictions, anything and everything, strategy, technology, business, whatever their view for the world, no politics, so I promise you that they are all former people, former guests on any of our Game Changers series this year. So we're going to have a five-week prediction special this year starting tomorrow again, 11 a.m. Eastern here on the Voice America World Talk Radio Business Channel. Michael is going to be my engineer, and Michael's putting his seatbelt on because he's going to need it. We're going to be doing four guests per 14-minute segment. It's going to be fast and furious, and you don't want to miss it. So Mark, your excuse. Go and talk about your, go and think about your predictions. You're going to have about a two and a half minute ending to the show, and I appreciate that very much. Aaron Viner, it's been such a pleasure to meet you. I hope we cross paths again on the radio in 2017. Wishing you all the best. A shout out to Manju Banzal and Christina Sosa for handling such a, an amazing series this year. Ten weeks in a row of Startup Focus. You all did great. Thank you, Christina. Great guests, great topics. Really appreciate all your hard work here. So thank you to Michael, our engineer. I think I already said that. And And get ready for predictions tomorrow. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Be like Aaron. Be like Capriza. Be like Christina. Be like Manju. Be like Mark Narona. And go out and be a game changer today. That's an order. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.